All due respect, this is The Sopranos Podcast. Season 5, Episode 13, Alone With It All. Own your feelings. That's a quote by Dr. Melfi in the season finale of Season 5. The episode is called All Due Respect. It was written by David Chase, Robin Green, and Mitchell Burgess, and directed by John Patterson, who's our finale mainstay at this point. Really got the B team on this one. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, solid, solid finale. This, while a great finale... Um, this is not a criticism I'm about the levy, by the way. While a great finale... This does bring back formulas of seasons past where you have a really explosive and emotional second-to-last episode. And then the last episode, while interesting and intense, focuses more on resolving and setting us up for what's to come going forward. So, some resolutions are had, some dangling threads for season six. All in all... Very entertaining, and I think it drives some of the larger themes of Season 5 home in a big way. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. Sopranos Podcast, we're here. I can't believe we are doing the finale of 5. This is... Time flies. Really does. This is Time crazy. Time flies. Uh, but, we're here. What, did your, what were your initial thoughts on All Due Respect? Yeah, I liked it. Um, it's really hard coming down from... Long-term parking, which is an all-timer episode. I don't think All Due Respect is bad, as you said. I think it's quite a good episode. It's just... Maybe it's not as exciting. I don't know. I I certainly don't think it's a bad episode. I think it's a great episode. I think I was looking for more. Hmm. Maybe I'll just say that. What did you want? I don't know. I, I think I just wanted something more than this. This was a really nice cap on the season. And does a finale need to be any more than that? No. It doesn't. I think this one offers some nice commentary. I think it's got amazing moments, amazing moments, but they're not series all-time moments for me. They're just like, wow, really good quality moments. But not every episode needs to We're be We're talking amazing. on a Soprano scale. On a Soprano scale. So again, right. this is still I get a better finale than in most episodes of anything that exists ever. But uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't knock my socks off. Yeah, it's uh, that kind of like rolling something back of it actually um and then gently bringing it to a close and the there's a sense with some things that feel like closure but i feel trained not to trust that on the sopranos Mm. so there's that to get into uh so i i enjoy watching this episode even though as jordan mentioned it's not and maybe not even necessarily trying for the wow factor of something like a long-term parking uh, which was in the penultimate position. Also, I'd just like to share personally, it's a little bittersweet that watch this episode and enjoy it, enjoy everything about it. Uh, this is John Patterson's last credit on The mm. Sopranos. No, sad. Uh, yeah, he passed away between season five and six. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, this spot, the season finale, which he would have had, I assume, oh, ongoing right of first refusal on. Sure. Instead, one of those episodes is dedicated to his memory. So just give him a shout-out. Wish I could have met him and, and grateful for all he did for The Sopranos. Amen. Amen. Incredible work. Incredible ah, yes. work. All due respect. I really liked it. <laughs> hey, hey, I ain't mad at that. Lily's adorable. Keep her around. Yeah, I want to keep her around. She's, she's too yes. busy for us. She's too good for our nickel and dime operation here. Oh. Oh. Our penny ante bullshit here. Oh. Our nonsense. All due Ooh. respect. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> All due respect. It's a great saying. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's the, it's what you say before you tell someone something they don't want to hear. It is such a funny saying because yeah. all due respect. Let me say something that takes away any respect from you whatsoever. Right. In fact, fuck you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's the same as no offense. Oh, no offense, but... Yeah, no offense, but you're an asshole. Yeah, yeah. you could say anything after that, and right. I will likely be offended. There's because a, you said no offense. There's a funny bit, I think it's between Larry David and uh, Jerry Seinfeld on Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they have a similar discussion about the phrase, having said that. Yeah. It's like, you can, you can say anything you want, before or after having said that, and it negates the other. It's like, right. yeah, you're, you listen, you're a complete asshole in every way. Having said that, you're very good at cooking. You know, just like, <laughs> just like you can, so all due respect is one of those. It's like that thing you drop before you uh, say something to somebody perhaps better left unsaid, another one of our episode titles. Yeah. 
But it speaks to the themes of power and leadership, which to me is why season five was perhaps the most mob-heavy season so far in many ways. I think season five really digs into Tony as leader, Tony as general, Tony as decision maker. And that's uh, the one on top, and that's painted all over this hour. I liked it. I think it's a good finale. Would I be satisfied if this were the last episode of The Sopranos in total? No. But very good outing. Uh, I thought it closed the loop on season five very nicely while making me intrigued for season six, which is uh, was tough at the time because this was at the point in the series where you knew David Chase, thankfully, because there's too much shit that gets rushed out now, this David Chase is going to take his sweet-ass time between seasons, and you weren't getting season six anytime soon once this ended. So this was a bittersweet feeling. I remember thinking back to 2004, watching it like, man, it's going to be a long time before we get more Sopranos. But anyway. Yeah. Also funny to note, we said this in the pre-show, uh, the class of 04, right? <laughs> All these people, they come in like a fucking hurricane Yeah. at the beginning of the season by the end of this episode, with the exception of Phil Leotardo, who we know lingers on and on. They're all gone. Yeah. Very funny. I've never <laughs> seen so many characters in The Sopranos come and go. Yeah. So fast. Yep. Yep. Dead or in prison. It's just, that's the life, man. But huge impact. Huge impact. Huge oh, impact. Yeah. Yes. No, but the, the so classical. brief. Yeah. And there were stories well told. I liked uh, that they were kind of all dispatched in their own way. Angelo might have made it had he just uh, fucking retired and... Uh, you got uh, Feach going back. Tony learned his lesson from Richie April. And then, of course, we close the loop on Tony B in this one. We'll get into it. But, yeah, solid episode. We start out with a dead body. Which one is it, right? We have a lot of dead bodies popping up all over the place. Mm. Can't be the only one who was thinking, please don't. I don't want to linger. Is this Adriana? Okay, it's, right. it's Bill right. Leotardo. Uh, I can live with a Leotardo. <laughs> <laughs> How long I, I gotta... live with two. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh! How long I gotta wait, John? An eye for an eye? He's, he's, he's itching for revenge. He's hungering for it. We're gonna see him go on the warpath here. Tony B, hanging out at Uncle Pat's farm. We're touching down on him. This be now becomes, I would say, the A plot here. A, B plot, right up at the top priority. That This Tony B, New York situation. And uh, he's hanging out with... I guess this is a sex worker, prostitute situation. Yeah, he, he, found, a, money. he found a sex worker, the Kinderhook sex worker. Just The one. There's just yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah, just this one girl. Took care of her foot the whole time. Yeah, her toe doesn't hardly hurt at all no more. It's great stuff. Great stuff. He's... Must be a really shitty job being a caretaker or whatever. You have to stay in that house. Right, yeah. Whatever his he's passing off is his career. Yep, yep. But uh, this is no way to live. I, you know, this 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 on the lamb thing here. He's sleeping on a looks like a sleeping bag on the floor. Rough stuff for Tony B. He's kind of in limbo. And Phil is on the hunt, cane and all. He uh, <laughs> accosts Chris's mother. Chris is of course back inside watching, keeping an eye on this. Chris is right to be hiding here. He is, as Hesh refers later on, the sacrifice, the sacrifice bunt. And unlike Tony's other family, Chris is actually on the table. He's in the game. He's in the mob. Uh, but I think one of the more fascinating elements of this episode that really does work for me is we spend a lot of time with Tony's underlings, like the mob guys, hearing their thoughts on Tony. That works. That's interesting. That's really kind of new also. We, we rarely see Tony's underlings without Tony or someone directly connected to Tony. But the honest chats they're all having with each other, the scenes in Satrials right. and it, uh, well, as you said, it's Tony as general, right? So it's how, well, how do the men talk about the general when the general's not around? Mm. You know? Yeah. 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 In Irregular Around the Margins, there was the gossip thing that got played for humor, but that was also about how he was perceived. Mm. And here, I think you're right that it's something new where it's really ratcheted up and we're seeing, they might be brief, but we're seeing some scenes where these guys are just talking. Yeah. Cali or Vegas. Phil is just we're getting a real sense of this guy and he's just uh, such a slug he's such a piece of shit uh, threatens her and I quote where the fuck is he you fucking cunt tell me where he is or Jesus. I'll ram that disc man up your box uh, to the point where his, the guy who's a cunt, after she runs off the guy has to remind him Phil it's the guy's mother it's the guy's mother 
<laughs> now, Phil uh, wasn't wrong. This is exactly where Chris is hiding out, but uh, woof. That's no way to treat a guy's mother, but Phil is not having it. Phil is also a breed of gangster that we haven't spent a lot of time with in a prominent position. Mm-hmm. He's a man with no class. Yeah. Richie April, a monster, had class, right, to an extent. Uncle Junior has a lot of class. Ralph Cifaretto, a monster, but had class, right? Yeah. Phil Leotardo, maybe not as intelligent as any of those men, he has no class, yeah, right? Zero. So you have to kind of get used to the roughness of him, yeah. right? He is a barbarian <laughs> with an axe, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's very little to understand there. You, you really just know exactly where he's coming from. Right. Not a lot of charm. Yep. Right? Not a graceful character. Mm-hmm. Just blunt. Mm-hmm. Tony's, fi- again, fixing things around the house, which must be making Carmela somewhat happy on some level. Told AJ to fix this leak when I was still living at my mother's. Like AJ knows anything about that. If he thinks he's getting into East Stroudsburg State, he is sadly mistaken. <laughs> Shot of Salvitro as they're talking about poverty being a great motivator. Uh, this fucking guy, poor guy. They had to bring him back for this. Again, touching, closing the loop on the things this season. Uh, this guy is indentured servant this is <laughs> just really awful yeah poor cell yeah well tony i think the way tony words it is why can't aj be more like this kid well it's like because you're the one facilitating the kid being in this miserable uh condition yeah like you're not doing that for your own kid you just give your kid everything that he needs <laughs> yeah what was it uh, i think paul's aunt mary said that uh that uh he the kid had to he had to pull the kid out of college to yeah. work on the landscaping business because he had to fire the guy that he was had working like fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Carmelo's dad coming in calling her my little amaretto cookie. <laughs> That's sweet. But they look at the, this beautiful home, the blueprints. Meadows home doing laundry. Mm-hmm. Something in this is meant like in this episode. Maybe this gets back to what Jordan was talking about. It really feels like it's kind of meant to be these almost dull, like, serene scenes at home that show them kind of getting back into the swing. Mm. Like, just look at this. Grandpa's here. Um, even AJ, they try to make him, like, less annoying. Or they try to contextualize how annoying he is as even possibly being hopeful. Yeah. I find the whole thing a little curious, but it's deliberate. A little sitcom-y. Yeah. I mean, it's in its own uh, Sopranos way. But still, like... Them talking like a, like the kid's going to be at a great event planner. <laughs> All due respect. A little bit all. It's gay, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this scene is fascinating. Uh, Carmela finding out. So now we're going to see how the rest of the Sopranos universe is reacting to Adriana just no longer being around and how that gets out there. So Carmela calls the apartment... And gets Chris, who is packing up. He sees T T Soprano on the Calder ID. Picks up. It's Carmela, and now we get the story. She up and left. Broke my heart. Very dark humor, but though his delivery of the law when she asks, "Is there a number I could reach her?" His answer is not that I know of. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Carmela is very stunned by this. Didn't see it coming. Brings it up to Tony and another scene or two, and uh, you never know about people. This is his response. Yeah, he plays it off. See, this is the kid's problem. He bottles it all up. Yeah, see, exactly. He lashes out with the substance abuse stuff, you know. Yeah. So Tony still still performing very well. Mm-hmm. Tony the actor. Ray Curdo. <laughs> Eagerly. Something to admire about Ray Curdo. <laughs> is there? Uh, something. There's something. He, listen... They say in life, do what you love. This guy fucking loves snitching. He, he loves being a rat. I, I, I'm so, like, Pussy was despicable because he was snitching on his best friend and was so half-assed. This guy fucking lo- Tell Ike, I said, tell Ike and the guys I said hello. He fucking says he's leaving the car. Like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see you guys at the fucking FBI office Christmas party. Actually, the transition in uh, that scene is really <clears throat> funny. What do I know? He's a dope addict. <laughs> Did I give you that? Yeah, yeah. Like, he already gave it up. <laughs> See, Lily, though, yeah, of course, that's not admirable, but also, <laughs> it's funny coming off of long-term parking because that's the way to do it. 
Adriana was a real person. That's the problem. Yeah. She got so twisted up because she really felt the things that they were doing to her. When you're Ray Curdo, you're a sack of shit. Like, <laughs> you don't give a fuck about anything. Snitch on your friends. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you don't fucking care. Yeah, he's not torn up. No, he has no scruples. No, he goes back and has a birthday party. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, as Chris said, he's loving it. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. great. Yeah. They'll pay for my dry cleaning. <laughs> I cannot not laugh when I think of... Ray Curdo snitching. It's just so fucking funny. Uh, he's a dope addict. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to Ike and the guys. It's, it's a, You know what it is? I get, I'll say it differently. It's amazing what you can do when you don't care. Yeah. Like, that's really That what is it very is. fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're at Ray Curdo's birthday party now. A couple things going on here. They're all chit-chatting. I really like this dialogue between them about... Oh, which one of them is important enough for New York to come after? <laughs> you know, like you really think New York's gonna come after you, Bobby? <laughs> I'm the brother-in-law. Yeah, and Paulie, like, they're gonna want somebody who goes back to you know, and who knows him better than me? Chris being the nat- natural sacrifice bunt, and uh, they're talking about this situation with New York and Tony B and. Vito is saying, uh, drops the first all due respect in the episode. All due respect, I'm willing to die for a good cause. This is bullshit. As Tony's coming in. You can tell from Tony's expression that he may not have overheard, but he knows what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Comes in. Larry Barisi uh, is back from season one. This guy was arrested the same day Junior was arrested. Back in, He's been under house arrest. They call him out on it. And he's going to show the prison doctor's... A fuck stick. They show you these in medical school. They're called balls. <laughs> <laughs> I like this actor who plays Larry Barisi, and I like that they didn't forget about him. He's just he's fun. He's peppered in uh, to drop some funny lines every so often. He's got another scene later on. But, yeah, they're ch- chatting around the table, and Tony uh, says, you know, I can't stay. But then he gives this rousing speech about how Tony B disappointed him, even if he knew where he was, which I do not. I'm offering him the same protection I would offer any of you. Now, they're going to debate, a lot of the guys are going to discuss this very point later on. Is Tony full of shit here? Yes, because it's not for their benefit, right? right? Yeah, it kind of comes in to give a speech to himself about himself. Yeah. And he does it while giving over, I think, a bottle of wine from his own family's vintage mm-hmm. as the birthday gift. Tony has never... No, that's that's hyperbolic. Tony just seems very weak in this scene, right? He can't make a decision. He's vacillating. He doesn't really know what to do about Tony B. And he doesn't really know what to say to these guys who know that he's on the precipice of some kind of decision. Um, yeah, it comes off bad here, right? Well, put it this way. Who in this room buys that speech? One, as he leaves. One person. Patsy Parisi. Okay. Thanks. That was great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Dan Grimaldi's delivery of that fucking kills me. It's so genuine. Like, he's just was so moved by that. And you can see everybody else, like, while he's talking. Their arms are crossed. Hesh is, like, looking down, like, chewing the inside of his cheek. Pauly knows it's bullshit. Syl definitely knows it's bullshit. But... It's very funny touch that Patsy was like, ooh. Yeah. Well, other than Patsy, right. I think uh, he has a hard time selling it. And um, we know that because the very next scene, he goes home. He mm. doesn't have a meeting. Mm. He goes home to Carmela. He has some chicken parm. I mean, he could have stayed at the party. I think he actually, when he got dressed that night, he had every intention of staying. I think uh, the missing scene, he's late because he was sitting in his car. What the fuck do I say to these people? Yeah. He went in, he made his speech, didn't go over that well. I'm going home. I, I don't know what, I gotta think about this. I can't enjoy myself, you know? Mm. He's gotta be alone with it all. Yeah, right? Like that's, then there it is. Alone with it all. To answer your question, yeah, he's full of shit. He's always full of shit. The guy's always lying. Yeah, yeah. He's always in it for himself, just to your point. So yeah, of course he's full of shit. Yeah, there's a lot of other answers to your point, but no. Yeah, Short I mean, answer, yes. Yeah, well, they'll discuss this through the episode, but, um, you know, the kind of protection that he's talking about, who does it really exist for? It exists for himself and Christopher and Tony B. It, that's as far as the, sh- the the real protection extends. Hmm. I don't think he's putting himself on the line for really anybody else. 
the next two closest to him is Pauly. No. Right? And Silvio, maybe, but even then, barely. Right? Mm. Most of these guys are right to feel like they're not protected. Mm. Well, he, and Tony knows he's doing the wrong thing here. A thousand percent. It's not that, like, it's a decision. It's the guilt part of it. He knows what the right decision is. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of, is he going to do the right thing or not? And right is a hilarious word to use as we're talking about two very sure. bad things. But, uh... <laughs> what do you do, though? Do you give up your own cousin? I know he fucked up, but yeah, I don't... He I is, don't know. Like... Benny didn't deserve it. No, Tony's in a legitimate tough spot, though. Well, I think you have to, because yeah. Tony B really did act outside of anybody's permission to do anything, so he's the most wrong, and then New York is putting you in a position where people who really don't deserve to be hurt will be hurt. They'll kill Christopher, mm. right? Uh, you can't let that happen. So I think Tony only has one decision to make. It's just he loves his cousin, and he really doesn't want to have to make it, and I think Silvio is right in the later yeah. scene where he says, you don't want to bow down to Johnny Sack. He's not wrong. And it was the Sopranos is always playing with this kind of irony. By the end of the episode, New York would not be able to continue their war on Jersey if they wanted to. Right. They're in a terribly weakened position. Tony will consider, I'm sure, that he possibly killed his cousin for nothing. Um, that's the Sopranos. That's that world. How cruel it is. And um, yeah, I think Jordan's reading of that scene is dead on. And if it weren't an indication enough then Tony's weakness also could be communicated by his saying to Silvio that he doesn't care about who's coming along with him. Mm. Um, you can say that, but if we're using the military analogy, the military who's just ignoring the top brass around him is not going to be the general yeah. for very long. Somebody's going to have to get rid of him. Yeah. Tony knows it. He just needs the right framework to make the decision, and it's not another gangster who provides that. I think it's really Melfi. And a dead horse who helped him realize that. <laughs> <laughs> this next scene finds another way to twist the Adriana knife just a little bit. Sopranos loves twisting the knife on you, making something terrible just a little bit worse in a different way. So we talked a little bit about this scene already, but Tony pretends he doesn't know about Adriana. It's a problem with this kid. And they wonder why they build up chemical dependencies. Right, that's the uh, same. yeah. AJ slightly annoying us by walking into the room <laughs> on the phone with his friends going upstairs. And uh, Carmela brings up this idea, and this breaks my heart, that she was so true to Christopher. <laughs> and this is what Carmela has to think happened. She, she must have been seeing somebody. And she recalls back to the movie night when Adriana almost confessed. Almost confessed, yeah. And... It's just sad to me that this is just a, unfortunately, what happens uh, to women sometimes. This re reputational idea here, and that's what's going to be floating around now. Is that she? Maybe she fell. Maybe she was seeing someone else. Uh, unbelievable. Nah, made me feel like shit. <laughs> mm, yeah. Tony dropped an irregardless in the last scene, by the way, which I know Lily reacted viscerally to. She doesn't like the irregardless. <laughs> well, all, no, when Tony Soprano says it's hilarious, when a normal person says it, it's incorrect. Irregardless, though. It was the right thing to say. <laughs> all due respect. All due respect. You're an idiot. Irregardless. Oh. Ugh. Disregardless. Let's move on. <laughs> Carmelo's chicken parm has to be fire, by the way. Mm, I'm sure. You never know about people. Tony's watching History Channel again on the couch documentary on Rommel. Rommel? Yeah. Mm. And uh, Carmela comes, sits next to him. They have this sweet little moment. She asks him, did you want to be alone? And he says no. And she goes up to lay in bed with her blueprints. It's, I, I, I this is, uh, there's almost, if you didn't see, if they didn't cut to the blueprints, she's undressing, she's in this like nightgown thing, she's smiling, she's getting into bed, and it's the blueprints. This is what she got back into the marriage for, is this mm -hmm. project. She wants this time and space. Yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony didn't ask her to leave. She chose to leave. So that solidifies my thesis that I gave last time, that this is really what she's coming back for here, mm. to set up something for herself so that when the inevitable happens, she's at least not 
without anything. I watched that slightly differently. Talk to me. That's why... I don't disagree with you, the, the, the transactional piece of it. But when she sits down, she gets the feeling he doesn't want her there. And she says, you know, do you want do you want to be alone? He says no, but he means yes. She serves no purpose there, and she knows that, so she goes up with the blueprints, which probably makes her very happy, but that's how I watched the scene. Yeah, I agree there. Also, um, not really a fraught marriage moment, right? He's got a lot on his mind. We know what it is, and she wants to go be along with her spec house thing, so this is how things will continue. Yeah, I don't think she was hoping he, like, no. or anything like that. I, she didn't leave him for the blueprints. She got a feeling and was like, yeah, this this sounds great. <laughs> she could have been using a vibrator for all I care. Like, <laughs> right. It's the same thing. And in know? some ways she is. Right. <laughs> we get the first instance of this great Van Morrison song, Glad Tidings. First of three mm. times I think it hits in the episode. This song absolutely rules. And I think of this episode every time I hear it. I can't not. But it's playing underneath. No secret in the lyrics. We send you glad tidings from New York. All this tension with New York and the things coming to and from New York in this episode. It's great stuff. Christopher complaining. He's in a car. His fucking get up here. Christopher's like, I'm on the lamb get up with the fisherman's hat and the glasses. Lord rings. Eating Roy Rogers with Benny. <laughs> But he's complaining about the favoritism and Silvio, in so many words, after all your uncle's done for you, I have to get into specifics. And then he gives him the extra wide look. Yeah. <laughs> I like to like, ahem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the end of that conversation. It, correct. Yeah, he gets the last word there for sure. Uh, then we get this, one of my favorite scenes in the episode, actually, a Silvio... Silvio, you know, for for Stevie Van Zandt, who's not a trained actor and is largely, and I say this not as an insult, I'd say 85% of his presence on the show is a comedic line or just there as Tony's steady guy. But when when he brings it home, he really does. Like, this is a great scene for Stevie Van Zandt here. I love the way he does this. I love this conversation that he has with Tony. And I love that he knows he doesn't quite break through, but I like that he feels like he needs to tell Tony the truth here. It just makes for an interesting scene. And, of course, it's a scene where we got our title from, uh, Alone With It All. Mm. But i got to talk to you. I've been your consigliere for years. Skip the preamble. We know how Tony hates a preamble. you got unhappy people out there, not just... The young guys, people have been with you from the beginning. Paulie, oh, God damn him. <laughs> and he he calls him out. It's, you know, you, all due respect, you were ready to give him your cousin a week ago. So all this stuff about the rules and protecting the guys, not really. And that puts Tony right, that gets Tony right off, right, turns the chair, gets right in his face with him and... Uh, all due, he gives him the all due respect right back. You got no fucking idea what it's like to be number one. Every decision you quote, every decision you make affects every other facet of every other fucking thing. It's almost too much to deal with, and in the end, you're completely alone with it all. Just really dresses Silvio down here and, and lays out his point of view. And uh, this is interesting. Silvio said in the last episode that some people are better at being number twos, and. Uh, that might be true of Silvio. Here's what. Here's where I'll give Tony some credit here. While he's put himself in a shitty situation, and I think Silvio is right on the money with this. Tony does have a problem with authority, and Tony also is right about the burden of boss. That Silvio is just not in a position to understand the ramifications of his decisions. So I don't know. I really like this scene. Any other thought on it? Well, the first was that I would I would mention that uh, Stevie Van Zandt's lack of actor training uh, usually serves him pretty well on this show mm. because he comes across as then quite genuine and as a result doesn't ever overplay anything, right? Because it, there's a certain lack of theatricality. This scene, which is probably uh, one of Silvio's like most significant scenes ever on mm. the series, yeah. uh, a tête-à-tête with Tony, uh, comes across as very genuine. Uh, really tries to level with the man. Uh, Tony doesn't take it well, but Silvio is, I think, completely right. When Tony discusses the idea of uh, no one else knowing what it's like to be number one and to be alone with it all, um, 
I think, uh, first, I, I love the, uh, you know, vocal expression of that from Tony, because he's speaking to the heart of what is eating him up in this episode, is that he has to make this decision totally by himself, and no one else can really help him to do that. That's a difficult decision for him. It is also, weirdly, what he has also cultivated, right? Mm. So he says, like, you don't understand what it's like to be number one, to have the burden of all this falling on you alone, but that is what he wants, he does also want to be the one to decide and to be the leader and to be in charge. So um, he's put himself in this position. Just something to think about. It's mm. kind of bitching and moaning about something that he cultivated. I don't know. Just something I thought about. Hmm. No, well said. Seven Deadly Sins. Yours is pride. Great line. Great analysis. Good job, Sil. Do you need anything else? Tony just blows smoke in his direction and still walks out. So unproductive at this moment, but who knows? All of this talk about making Tony reflect on his leadership might lead him to the decision he makes shortly. It sunk in. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but he already knew. It's right. just he continues to get called out on it this mm. episode. He knows the right thing to do. And I don't know. We're going back a second, but like, mm. I don't buy this everything I do... Has ramifications. I can't quote this like you guys can. Every decision everyone makes has ramifications. And I understand that he's in charge of a lot of people, but like, I don't know, Tony B made some decisions on his own that really affected a lot of people too. Sure. You know, so it's like we're all kind of living this autonomous life that affects other people. Just because you're in charge doesn't mean you have more or less effect. You just have more decision power of what happens next. But again, I would argue he knows the answer. He's just, it's hard for him. Which, that I understand. But Phil Leotardo on the rampage again. <laughs> Rampaging Phil. The fact that he's just ripping through Jersey like this with a cane. It's just just speaks to, I'll say this, he's a blunt instrument. He's a barbarian. He's a piece of shit. But he is relentless. <laughs> That's another thing we're learning about Phil. Uh, he... Uh, Walking around the crazy horse just drives to, you know, that's not not a quick drive from New York, folks, down that part of Jersey. Uh, he <laughs> just strolls down there and walking around, looking around for any sign of Chris or somebody. He can be darkly funny. Oh, yeah. Like when he tells Benny that, I think Benny says, I'm on my way to the hospital. Well, that's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Where is he? Don't fuck with me, kid. <laughs> just, uh... uh Benny, <laughs> just I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is there's something darkly funny about this to me, just because Phil he was just, Benny was just so outmatched. Very well shot though. I like that he guns the gas and can't that little struggle. Is he gonna get out of there? It's definitely a tense physical confrontation, but then he just beats the absolute shit out of him with a cane. And then his line after, it's a start. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cold blooded. <laughs> Tony goes to visit, tells him it'll be covered by the Plumbers Union health plan. <laughs> I'm glad Benny's going to get his medical bills covered, but they, again, they're exploiting the unions. It's it's just also, you can't even fucking feel good about a guy getting his medical bills paid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, uh, again, I know Phil's the one doing the beating, but uh, you know Benny is suffering for Tony's lack of decisions here, mm -hmm. right? Tony's vacillation has direct consequences. Yeah. Got it, yeah. TikTok, buddy. I think it's time for you to get your own customers. You're a little too young to be beating people up. Walks out, and then the guys start chatting. And I love these. We get a, a few more. I love these little scenes with the guys just going back and forth about what Tony should do, what they would do. This is fucked up. Uh, what do I want to do about it? I want that man there to do something about it. I want us to give, to give us clearance to go to Brooklyn, clean some fucking timepieces over there. And Vito disagrees if... He strikes back on Phil. We should take him out, which is a uh, very interesting. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, I I I'm kind of siding with Vito that that's uh, would be the wrong course of action. But this is interesting, is it not? The underlings trying to we get a sense of like what would the family be like if Tony wasn't in charge, and what do all these guys think about all this? I find it very interesting. If Tony wasn't in charge, this would become a surrogate New York operation. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great... Yeah. I mean, the next most powerful person in the family is currently on the lam. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, 
it would fall to Silvio, who I don't think can run it. Mm. New York would take it over. Yeah. Johnny Sack would instruct one of his guys to basically run it as a proxy organization. Mm. I think. I yeah. agree with you. What's fun about these scenes is, and I think why I, ta- I do take to this episode, is it's another one of those just kind of human moments, less mafia, of any time there's a lack of leadership in any workplace, this is what happens. Yeah, yeah. You get the office, like... Hey, what this is what I would you get a lot of bitching from yeah. your from your people. You're right. It happens and in restaurants, happens ha- in post offices, every schools, schools, yep. schools. Every workplace I've ever been, when there's a lack of leadership, people talk. And <laughs> yeah. It, we're, it's no different in the mob. It's just another job. Yeah, this could Mobsters, be Monsters, they're just like us. You need a strong leader. I'll say this, this is kind of controversial to say. You need a strong leader even if they're making wrong decisions. They need to decide. You yeah. can't keep people stuck in the middle like this. Right. It's Correct. miserable. Agreed. Either go to war with New York or stop this now. Correct. Or do one or the other. Yeah, they can't. But be leaving left these to guys in this halfway place where they could get beat up having fries at a club. No. You know. <laughs> yeah. But anytime, as a normal human being, I can connect with these guys, just gives it makes me giggle. Right? It's like oh, I've seen this before. I know oh, yeah. this. You yeah. know, it's just some things are human, and that's it. This next scene is uh, interesting for several reasons. One, we get a little bit of information. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've had some time with Junior. He's, of course, the mental deterioration has taken him out of a lot of the mob stuff. He had very little connection with Chris or Adriana. That's been the focus of the last few episodes. So it's been a while since we've seen Junior, and uh, uh, he's out to lunch, man. This is this is the worst we've seen him as far as just moments. Tony can't get him to settle into a dialogue about this and tony has gone to junior in the past uh, junior actually gave a very good speech to about leadership to tony in early in season four i believe it is or maybe even season three about leadership and sometimes there is no answer you just got to steer the ship the best way you know and here he's mumbling about getting fruit to melvoin his attorney by the way this is a, a potential important plot info his attorney has had a stroke which will delay his retrial for another year at least, while this attorney recovers. Which is good for him. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I, you know, I hate to say this, but at his age, a year is a lifetime. It, yeah. It, you know, so, uh, however, Junior rightfully thinking now, the question is, do I use the stall and then get an attorney who's more with it? But his uh, thing, he's trying to get him fruit. He's calling up. There's a confusion there. They're talking about John Bobby. Does John do your collections? He's Tony's getting frustrated. Office address or home. Tony's getting annoyed. It's fruit. It'll rot. Then he starts talking about Phil's son, and Tony is just like, "I'm sorry, Anthony. I'm nonplussed with all this." Tell Phil. Tell Phil what? <laughs> yeah. Oof. This is sad. This is just uh, and and well written too. It's like not like. No, it's that's very real. Yeah, just like very lifelike. Saying things like that right. almost connects. Almost, yeah. It's but like it's like right there. there. Someone's son, whose son? Phil's son? No, no. What brother? Not the son. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Very well written. And Tony right. synapses firing, but not connecting. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I backed myself into a corner, and I don't see a way out. We really get a sense of Tony's claustrophobia with the situation here. He he is feeling locked in. And he really realizes, I think this is more than any other moment, Tony realizes that Junior is no longer to be relied on for this role. He really is on his own. There's no dual boss even by pretend standards anymore. It's not even like the facade of having two bosses of the family is there. It's Junior's just, he's ordering fruit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, once again, backing up alone with it all. It really is just Tony. You can't even ask for advice from the other supposed boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ironically, I think he was really looking to open up to Junior about this. Mm-hmm. Next scene at Satrial's, more guys gabbing about this. Larry and Carlo, these port, they're complaining about the issues down at the port still going on. Larry's complaining about feats. Tony sent the wrong ex-con back to jail. They're going back and forth about how whether or not he even knows where Tony B is, they're they're talking about that. Again, I like these because it is very realistic. And Larry Boy basically says, Tony Soprano is very adroit at keeping his own family out of the fucking frying pan. The rest of us, 
and you can't see what I did, but hopefully you heard the yeah. uh, just the, the, the hand under the chin thing. Uh, not incorrect, <laughs> Larry Boy. Not incorrect. Uh, but it hurts to hear it. <laughs> of course not. You know, he yells yeah. at Christopher at the end of long-term parking. You know, you think this is hard. You know, it's hard for me, too. It's like, okay, but you're literally pulling back and getting people hurt because you won't get rid of your loved one. Right. Mm-hmm. But real easy to get rid of Adriana. <laughs> yeah. This next scene with Melfi is the only scene with Melfi this episode and the last scene with Melfi of the season. How do we how do we feel about this Melfi scene? Um, it's quick. Uh, I appreciate that she tries to get him to take charge of his feelings. I feel like maybe it does help to give him that last little push into making a decision. Mm-hmm. I think I just wish it was a longer scene, maybe for her sake, but that's that's really it. Well, she, <coughs> she does give Tony that own your feelings comment, and that's important. And what they talk about is important. Tony mentions the dream, and AJ, quote, devoting more time to academics. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. This is so difficult treating you, and so much of your life is closed off. What really jumped through to me about this scene is not just what Tony hears, but it's also what I'm getting from Melfi. This is new. There's a feeling that she's turning a little bit of a corner with him in the sense that this is becoming, I can't just, there, we keep hitting this roadblock. This is years now and we always get to this point where we're right on the edge of what's happening and I can't cross it, but we can't talk about it, is her last line in the scene, uh, or her last line about, about that anyway. But they can't. Right. I mean... You know. But she's getting fed up with that, and I think that's an interesting development. Yeah. Uh, and in moving past it and getting <coughs> tough on him, she helps to convince him to kill her, his cousin. Yeah, right. She's not. She doesn't know, and that's, that's just precisely what she's doing. If she knew but, the situation, would she advise him go murder your cousin? That's the right. I'm way out sure of this. not. Yeah. But she does advise him to murder his cousin because she of advises him to own his feelings. Right. Which, when he then looks at the picture of Paiomai, I think he sees the sentimentality connected to both, how the one led to impulse, how this is leading him to not follow the right impulse. He has to do the violent thing, and that's what leads to the decision. Yep. Thank you, Melfi. Pretty good season five. We'll see where, where we go in season six, but uh, good job, Melfi. I especially appreciated... How you rejected Tony at the beginning of season five and how he reacted to that. <laughs> All my choices were wrong. It's my mess. Tony really grappling with the depth of this. AJ running a party. There's a fight. They're selling cups. We're going to come back to that. Nothing more to really break down there except that uh, he's doing something that is quote-unquote entrepreneurial. Mm. Mob adjacent. I was going to say. Mob adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> He thought he looked a little bit like Tony there, right? Mm-hmm. Having other people do his yeah. fighting, his yeah, dirty he's work. Not, he's not getting his hands dirty. Yep. I think he's amounting to about as much as Tony is for someone who's really worried about how much AJ will amount to. Yeah, right. It's something Tony might have done at AJ's age, right? Mm-hmm. Though probably Tony would have scrapped too. <laughs> Tony calls Johnny Sack. Can't quite do it. It's late night at the Bing, or either, or maybe, no, actually it's early morning. I think John's eating a croissant. And uh, you don't eat croissants at night, right? Yeah. All due respect. There's no, <laughs> there's no law. That's true. Not, not that they'd follow it if there were. It would be undignified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he's got, the, he's got those <laughs> nice plates and that nice, he's the boss now. Tony's clearly racking his brain about it, though. He can't. He's about to say it and just can't do it. Hangs up. Hello. Same way that Tony B called him earlier. Right. Yeah. You know, say anything. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if Johnny's got someone at the phone company after a while. Uh, maybe. Paulie Steven his jacket. I fucking this scene. Talk about <laughs> another slow payoff. I imagine most people watching the show for the first time, probably myself included, maybe thought that painting wasn't going to come back. But boy, does it. Boy, does it. Uh, I love how. Tony just barges in, heard you got beefs, and then uh, sees the painting. The fuck? <laughs> Immediately annoyed with it. You and your horse get a big laugh out of this. That's no joke, T. That's no joke. Cueing Polly into being legitimately hurt that Tony doesn't visit him anymore. <laughs> he don't come here no more. I don't figure it'd be a problem. <laughs> he is so childlike sometimes for a guy who's a vicious sociopath. 
Yeah. What's with the hat and shit? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic delivery there. Uh, yeah, Tony, last time you saw this picture, he was just wearing a suit toasting champagne. That's right. Uh, and he's seeing... I so wanted something that captured more of what you're all about. A goddamn lawn jockey? <laughs> <laughs> and then he drops it. It's not a lawn jockey, it's a general. And Tony grabs the painting after looking at it for a second... And uh, I also like him calling out Paul. It's because you knew it cost me an arm and a leg. <laughs> it's museum quality work. I'll admit that. But <laughs> grabs the painting, whisks it out, has to dump it in a... Which kills me. I mean, I would love that painting. Uh, I, get, I think I'm you can sure get, you can get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think That's you can okay. Definitely. We don't have any... <laughs> <laughs> We're busy that day, but thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife doesn't let me... Yeah, uh, Paul, I'll contact you later. But I, <laughs> I can't put one up in the office. We're busy that day. Jesus. <laughs> oh. Unbelievable. Oh, oh. All you know what respect. It does, you know what it does to Lily? Be reminded of that fucking horse. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tony uh, brings it out, looks at it, and uh, is thinking, and we get these tight close-ups of his face, looking down at the painting, close-up on the sash... The hand, the sword. Long, long look at Tony. He's thinking, he's realizing it's dawning on him what he has to do. And that it's time to take action and be the be the general he sees in the picture. And take charge of the situation his way. And trudge forward the only way he can. Glad Tidings picks up. Tony B getting home. Spooky depressing barn. <laughs> right. Steps in some raw eggs on the way to that dumpster, he does. too. He yep, does. he does. Oh, yeah, the eggs. Great. Yes, yeah. yes. Two things I'll say about this. About as clean a hit as you can get, by the way. Tony's a fucking pro, even though he doesn't have to do things like this regularly anymore. Tony's still got it. Gloves on, shotgun out, one shot, no drama, no bullshit, in, out, quick, goodbye. Uh, Tony B is gone before he even has a chance to realize what happened. He probably registered Tony's presence for a millisecond. He saw him, yeah. And that was it. He's gone, but Tony's still feeling those eyes. Looking oh, up. yeah, his oh, eyes yeah. wide open. That's a creepy shot. Very. His yep. face like half ripped off, the bullet hole in his head, just staring back at Tony. And Tony takes a second to look back at him. At least Tony can look at it and, and acknowledge it. And then he... Pockets the gloves, tosses the gun, and hits the road. So goes Tony B. Thank you, Steve Buscemi, for a great performance. I enjoyed Terrific. the character. Uh, miss you, but uh, as far as like one season characters go, I, I really liked Tony B. I thought I liked what he brought to the show, and I'm gonna miss him. The other thing I'll say about this scene is, I don't know why there's something about the way it was shot, or maybe the lighting, or or the the the. Just the way the porch looked. It reminded me a little bit of the house in, from Tony's dream. Uh, oh, sure. The, with the woman on the stairs. Yes. And I can see that. I want to kind of just button that for a second for another discussion, perhaps, later down the road. But, yeah, that's... There's a few a, different image callbacks like that, I think. Like, Tony running through the woods later in this episode reminded me of the test dream. Yeah. That red barn feels right out of that painting that... Tony talked about in Melfi's yep. office yep. in season one. Um, they do that a lot. And yeah. yeah, I think it's all over this episode. Yeah, very good. Calls up John. He's at 146 Route 9A Kinderhook. Hangs up, goes back to the Bing. Get this very quiet scene where Johnny had called back at the Bing and apparently was not happy about something. Phil, obviously, we saw the quick scene where Phil, we don't get the CD, probably multi-hour tirade on his drive back to Jersey after that, but uh, he's going in, he's got his crew with him, they're going to go ice Tony and make it last, and he sees the body. Tony gets back to the Bing. It's not clear what the guys know, but I think they know that something has happened. There's this sense in the room that, like, hey, at least he's done something. Here's your Bialy and your coffee, mm. and they leave him uh, alone with it all. Yep. Well, when he came into the, the dinner that was at in the private room at Vesuvio, 
He says to the guys, don't get up. Yeah. But there's an awkward lingering moment where it didn't seem like there was a lot of oomph for all of them to stand for him. Yeah. This time he comes in and they're shooting the shit. And I think with I think the exception of Silvio, they're already already standing, talking, hanging out. Mm. He walks in and sits and they're all sort of standing at attention, just letting him know that Biale is there anytime, boss. And it's a brief but effective yeah. show of respect. I think yeah. they know they know Tony's dead, and they know none of them were asked to do it. I think that's generally the sense that is there. For them, the period of crisis is over, right? Yeah. The decision's been made. They can go back to business as usual. Yeah. John uh, eventually calls and gets Tony on the line. Didn't solve a thing. First words through the phone. He's beside himself now. Best thing is to get back to business. Come into the city, meet me. John, my IQ is 136. It's been tested. <laughs> Getting back to the IQ thing that he talked about with Tony B. My house, 6.30 a.m. You really think I'm going to give you a matz with Ginny upstairs? It's the best way John can convince Tony that you can arrive safely at my house. I'm not bringing Phil anybody, so they're going to meet. Tony tells Chris to bury his... Goes to see Chris. You need to go bury your cousin. It should be you that does it. And then they sit down and they have this post-mortem, I guess, on the, the death of Adriana. Is there anything you told her? Let her slip. Uh, Chris, I swear on my life, nothing about Ralphie or Bevilacqua. Of course, the murders are Tony's big concern. Chris mentions the cigarettes that she was nosing around. But uh, Tony, suspicious, noses around, doesn't see any... You're not going to find any of that shit here. I'm lifting weights. So he's still uh, He's hoping that Chris is not indulging in uh, his demons while he's locked up here but again they gotta twist the fucking knife tony has to call her a cunt when chris talks about how he loved her and but it's not meant right he says you know she was a cunt and then they both it's like totally opposite like the intent like she was a cunt and then they give each other the most tender embrace Mm. I've ever seen. Like, both of them, like, doing everything they can not to cry, Mm. right? So clearly they don't think she was a cunt, you know? Right. It does no good to think about it now. Yeah. Right, so as you said, there's no air in him saying it, and then they're just trying to, like, I think, get rid of it. Yep. What's not said here, this is what I wrote down, is Tony's essentially, after they have their embrace and their hug, he's essentially telling Chris what he has learned all too well, which is tuck her into that part of your nightmares that you'll only visit on those uh, rare nights and and just move on, you know. Tony deals with his ghosts every so often. They come back up at him. He has to be alone with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not like, you know, this is not an invitation to... Yeah, and we're going to keep talking about her forever. Nope. Yeah. The hug that they do at first is brief and perfunctory. Mm-hmm. And then, as Jordan mentioned, it, for a moment, lapses into this more vulnerable, like, holding on to each other for dear life thing. Yeah. Going back to early season one, AJ mouthing off to Carmella. <laughs> He's laughing on the phone when she walks by, knocks on the door, and then comes in immediately, quickly slams the laptop shut. Tells him to get off the phone. He tells her, "Quote: You're gonna stroke out about if this, if you about all this, if you can't control yourself." <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. Oh god! Can you imagine talking to your parent that way? Put that. I would have gotten thrown out the window. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not good. She tells him, "You're not. I don't know what to say. You know, you, and I know this because I've raised you from the beginning. You're not gonna like working at McDonald's. Could you amp up the drama? <laughs> Cut the allowance. It's not even practical, and you know it." Tony gets involved, looped back in. This is right back at old times. Tony getting looped into the parent stuff, and it comes out that he put on a party. It's the best of the year. Everyone's everyone's saying. We charge. She gives him the whole apparatus. Gives, I mean, gives him the whole thing. There was drinking at this party, no doubt. <laughs> hey, we just sold people cups. What they brought was up to them. Was on them. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Very good, AJ. A very Tony line. Yes. Yep. Plausible deniability. And then uh, Tony basically puts the foot down. All right, enough of this. Basically, enough of this shit. Do your applications. And then they close. And then they have this very... They're intrigued by the idea that AJ is actually maybe getting passionate about something... I always think about Jordan referring to him as a great kid, great kid uh, yeah. and, and how uh, 
So imagine you have a kid like that and all of a sudden, even if it's something that you might not have picked or wanted, or even if it's not manifesting itself in an entirely healthy and productive way, him even being, as Tony says, well, I guess he's fired up about something, right? Means something. He does, how he does call it gay and they kind of event, <laughs> event, it's gay, isn't it? Event planning. But hey, I don't know. It's better than being a gangster. <laughs> Except the way he'll do it kind of is being a gangster, well, right? So yeah, this is not the kind of, but, you know. I, I, right, what kind of events will he be planning? Carmelo interested in the status of, well, I, you're, I know you're around wealthy people. I guess, Tony's answer. Back to Johnny Sack's house. We're getting to the final beats of the episode here. Sal Vitro again. Jesus Christ. This poor guy. Working in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> He's been like the Whomping Willow. Of this series, just like what season in it? Check in on Salvitro. Fucking guy's still working. Spring, yeah. summer, winter, fall. Phil has to know that punishment has been meted out, and that's all there is. And Tony essentially gives it like, hey, you know. At the end of the day, what this is all about is putting food on the fa- on our family's plates. You know, he's got it. Whatever his legitimate sorrow, he's got a price. Meet it. Easy for you to say. His family's shorter by one. Tony drops the, I've paid enough, John. I paid a lot. And he has. He has paid a personal toll. And I think Johnny can understand and at least respect that Tony made a personal sacrifice to try this. He's going to have, he doesn't, Johnny doesn't like that he's going to have to do something for Phil here. But John knows Tony's right. Yeah. And these two get back on even footing in this scene. Yeah, you get a sense that. Tony and Johnny might be okay for the foreseeable future that they've generally... And I like this, again, this alone with it all thing. I like these two bosses. They can't ever trust each other fully because they are competitors in some ways and head of opposite, you know, different organizations. But this bonding over, you know, these people you meet want to be boss, huh? This is cool. Like the two, the two rival kings just having a moment together of like, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown kind mm-hmm. of thing. He's going to give him 25% of the Bloomfield operation. And then Tony just mid-sentence stops, looks behind John, and bolts. There's only one reason you would do that. <laughs> because the coffee is that bad. <laughs> Wait, no. FBI, baby, they are here. They raid the house. Johnny runs. Tony runs. It's amazing how fast Tony moves for a big guy. Oh, yeah. Gun in the snow. <laughs> I like that shot of the gun making the yeah. gun-shaped imprint in the snow. Yeah. That's a, They must have, like, cheered after they got that shot because that doesn't just happen, I feel like. you got to kind of aim hit it, it just right. hit it just yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, they, seems like re-enter Salvitro's arm. Yeah. Ah! I'm just a gardener! Getting <laughs> Why? He's just there doing a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, listen, when the FBI raids, they arrest everybody on site and they sort it out later. That's, but, man, oh man, poor Sal. <laughs> but John gets a face full of snow and I like him trying to stand up. How's this for undignified, John? Trying to stand up straight after they, after he fucking plants in the snow. Yeah. And Tony takes a long trek through the woods, sopping wet shoes across a river uh, to grandmother's house we go. Moving uh, about rather bear-like, I thought. Oh, yes. As a bear would move through the woods. I thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Squishing shoes. Calls up Neil Mink. Big uh, big bust. This is, to me, is, feels more like where we're setting seeds for season six. In that uh, big arrest in New York that would have apparently gone up to Carmine had, it, uh, had he been alive. Bunch of arrests. And uh, Johnny Sack is... Big Rico case. Here we go. Yeah, but to so, your point, Paul, he may have just killed Tony B. <laughs> yeah, this is the irony of se- season five was in large part about a war in New York City, which Tony, the whole idea, and he you could argue he failed at doing this, was staying neutral to such a point where he could pick up crumbs from the fallout. Yeah. He failed at doing that in large part because of his cousin, then kills his cousin at the end, and he still will get the benefit of the fallout given that he is in the catbird seat and New York is in a weaker position than they have ever been on the show. They can't do anything. The boss of the family is in is in jail, yeah. awaiting trial. Yep. Whoosh, bunker style. Ominous tone here when Tony calls uh, Jimmy Petrill the snitch. He's just a sweet old guy. 
You have a sweet old guy snitch of your own, by the way, Tony. I think the same could be said for Ray Curto, mm, who yeah. is uh, diving out every chance he gets. Uh, and then he goes back home. I just wrote The Bear. I'm not talking about the awesome FX show, but uh, The Bear returns. You get the shot through the woods, the, the, the same kind of branches. You just see this dark, hulking figure coming through the brambles, and Tony... Mm-hmm is in the yard. Glad Tidings picks back up. He squishes back into the house. What happened to you? Your shoes are soaking wet. <laughs> and that's uh, the last we get of season five. I guess uh, also kind of a sitcom-y it is. ending. <laughs> it is. It's not totally an ominous ending, actually, especially given the, the tenor of the song and the the sweetness of Carmela's greeting. But yeah, there we are. It's uh, That's season five. I enjoyed the little conversation he has with Mink on the phone. Mink's basically telling him, hey, listen, celebrate. Yeah. You're fine. Everything's good there. I really especially like the exchange. There's nothing illegal about parking your car unless it's in front of a hydrant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing, Neil. No, no, of course not. (laughs) There's also a little little beat, uh, just for foreshadowing purposes, I just want to make sure we mention, one of the exchanges with Johnny Sack on the phone Johnny Sack is going in for a medical checkup, mm. right, which will portend something for the future. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's all due respect and an ad- admirable, entertaining, and solid, if not perhaps, um, you know, maybe not the best finale that we've seen. Uh, it's no I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano, but it's very good, <laughs> enjoyable episode. What is? It's about Tony uh, as a leader. And he, uh, we closed the loop on several Season 5 stories while setting up some intrigue for Season 6. I'm excited to cover Season 6. But any final thoughts on all due respect? Well, despite being alone with it all, Tony, uh, perhaps as a reward for making a tough decision and carrying out himself, uh, as you said, ends the season in a strong position, mm-hmm. and Jersey ends in a strong position. But we are in a weaker place morally than we have been in previously. So if we are tracking that as something we value, that is something problematic going forward. Tony's in a better position. He has success. He has his home. Uh, But what is the cost? What is the cumulative cost of what he is doing? And what is he working towards? Mm. And what is he transforming into? Um, All good questions. Uh, Things I think we'll see the answer to, I hope, in future seasons. Um... I think one of the coolest parts of this episode is the things it does in terms of setup is like, okay, great. All right, Tony and Johnny, they're finally on equal footing. At, oh, oh J- Johnny Sack has been busted. What the fuck does that mean for next year, right? Yeah. So uh, even just that piece ends us on enough of a cliffhanger to be like, oh, okay, so where are we? Yeah. One of the things that sticks with me about this is that there have been many ways they've told this story about uh, in season finales of this show about the cost of what Tony does. In particular, I think back to the montage at the end of season two where they're showing all of the various parasitic businesses, the hollowed out stock office, the guy selling phone cards on the street, the porn theater, Dave Scatino moving to Reno and... Uh, <laughs> And just all of these ancillary effects while they're having this gorgeous graduation party at Tony's house on the hill. And um, talking specifically, Jordan, to your cumulative effect, what is it? What is happening is, uh, much like Adriana's stomach illness, the rot is happening from within at this point. And this, it's, it's actually creeping up into the Soprano family in a much more close way than it ever has before. Tony can't ignore it like he can in compartment he the, the adriana death feels much more deeply consequential that this isn't something he's going to be able to tuck into nightmare land and just escape from this has going to have i i feel similarly to you like there's a point in every story where a decision is made by a character that you can't come back from and i think very much in the moral universe of the show the way season five wrapped up i think our characters have I also believe cross that point, but we're going to see. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, uh, not only do we all love Adriana, but it's like, wow, if someone that innocent and that guileless and that close to you isn't safe, then who is? Mm. And what are you doing all this for right. if it's not for family? 
Yeah. And with that, that's been all due respect. Guys, I'm very excited. We have a hell of a Season 5 retrospective coming up. We're going to do all of our top threes that you've come to know and love, the top three uh, performances. Boy, there were some great ones. Uh, I have my top three list on performances. All due respect, already. it's Salvitro. Salvitro is greatest, my number one. the greatest performance of Season 5. Yes. Hey, listen. He's eligible. You know, he he did a great job. I like that guy. And uh, I like that he's I like that he's short, pudgy, and a little bald. That yeah. uh, reminds me of of one of the people in this room. Hey, yo, we have no spoiler policy oh. here. Retrospective policy. Oh. I'm tired. All due respect. <laughs> all due respect. I'm a little. Tired. All due respect. It's very late on a weeknight. We're all a little tired, but we're gonna get into this uh, retrospective. We're gonna do all our top threes. We have a hell of a listener uh, mail segment. You can still get in on that, possibly, depending on when it is uh, you're listening to this. Send us an email or a message at any of our socials. That's The Sopranos Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Sopranos Podcast on Twitter. Send us a message. Send us your thoughts. Anything you want us to read on our listener mail segment. we got some real hot-button topics coming at us and some 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 strong opinions about the show. Love letters to the FBI, I'm sure. <laughs> oh! Oh! oh. Uh, All due respect. They're just doing their job. All due respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we're going to talk about season five's place as a whole in the Sopranos canon and what we're looking for out of uh, out of season six coming up. I cannot wait. The retrospectives are always our favorites. We're going to have a blast. We'll probably cook up something dope and tell you all about it. It's oh. going to be it's going to be fantastic, fan fucking tastic. All due respect. All due respect. Oh, all we're due gonna respect. we're gonna call this podcast uh, uh, done for the night. So. All due respect. Get the fuck out. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. All due respect. What do I know? He's a dope addict.